Welcome to the Gospel Reveal podcast. My name is Michael, your host and teacher. Here at the Gospel Reveal podcast, we teach the Bible for what it is. We want people to know God's word. As a result, they will know God and they will grow in their faith. We've been going through a series on the book of Mark. We are on chapter 2. And today, the title of our message is Grace Abounds. John Newton was a slave owner during the height of the African transatlantic slave trade in the 1700s. He was the worst of men. But one day at sea, he woke up to a severe storm. John was afraid. But then he prayed for God's mercy. Eventually, the storm died down and they were able to make it to their destination. From that day, it was the beginning of John Newton transformation. Later on, he became a Christian. The question is, how come God could forgive such a man? The answer is, the grace of God abounds. We are still on the Gospel of Mark and we are going to see how the grace of God abounds. Mark 2 verses 13 to 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The crowds continues to follow Jesus. Previously, Jesus was in a house and there were crowds of people and there he healed the paralytic man. And Jesus here now was beside the lake. There were crowds of people, but his focus was teaching the people, preaching the gospel. Verse 14 and 15. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed Jesus. We know that in the Gospel of Mark, things are direct. Jesus saw Levi at the tax collector's booth and he commanded him, follow me. And he responded and he obeyed Jesus and followed him. Who is Levi? And why did he follow Jesus? Well, Levi was not your average guy. He was a tax collector. If we go back to the first century, tax collectors were the worst of the worst. 
and they were the most hated in their society. You see, they see them, they are Jewish people that betrayed their own country. The reason why they collect tax from their own people, and these people are poor people, for who? For the imperial oppressive government in Rome, but also they connive with corrupt leaders such as Herod, and so they profiteer over people's lives. They were quite wealthy. The way they see them as well as unclean people because they mixed with unclean people, the Gentiles. So they were not the best of people in society. So this is the kind of guy Jesus called to be part of his kingdom, to become a disciple. Jesus called Levi. The guy is a tax collector. But why did Jesus call him and he responded quickly like that? The reason why is because Jesus sees his heart. Jesus is God. He knew what's in the heart of men. If we go back to the previous message that we looked at, when Jesus healed the paralytic man, when they lowered the man down to him, in front of him, the first thing that Jesus said was, your sins are forgiven. The response of the scribes in that house was that they were thinking something. They were thinking like, how come a man like Jesus can forgive sin? It is only God that can forgive sin. But whilst they were thinking these thoughts, Jesus perceived. Why, why Jesus can perceive? Because he knew he can see their hearts. And so therefore, the conclusion is Jesus can see through Levi's heart and he knew that Levi's heart was melted and ready to trust in him. The guy Jesus is divine and Levi must have had Jesus preached and so therefore he has been convicted of his sin and Jesus knew this so he was ready and as soon as Jesus called him he followed Jesus. We answered in our previous message, the title of the message was, Who Can Forgive Sin? And our answer is, it's only God. And Jesus is God. Jesus proved it, that he is God. But the question that we are faced with in these verses is, whose sin can be forgiven? Not everyone sin can be forgiven. What is the qualification for your sin to be forgiven? Well, it's for those who are aware, who know that they are sinners. That is the key. Matthew 5, 3 tells us, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The way you can enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is for you to be aware that you are a sinner. You need to repent of your sin. That's how you enter God's kingdom. It says, poor in spirit, you know that you are spiritually bankrupt. And as a result of that, God can save you. That's the entrance to God's kingdom. And Levi knew this. Levi knew that he is a sick man. He is corrupt. 
And so therefore, that was his key for him to enter God's kingdom. And Jesus can heal sick souls. Like Levi, John Newton knew this, that he was a sinner. That's how he got saved. And he understood the grace of God. And that's why he wrote the most amazing, the most famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And if we read the first verse, it tells us that he's aware that he is a sinner. The first verse, Amazing Grace, how sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So you see how John Newton called himself a wretch. He knew that he's a wretch of a sinner. And so the key to the kingdom is to be poor in spirit. But we see the infinite mercy and grace of God, despite our sinfulness, our depravity, the grace of God abounds. The grace of God abounds. Romans 5.20 tells us, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. The law of God magnifies our sin, but also it shows how willful we disobey his law. But the awesome truth is the grace of God is greater than the sins of the wicked. And our hearts cannot comprehend the grace of God. Was all this for free? Not at all. You see, this is all for God's own glory. On the cross, God equally and perfectly displayed his judgment on sin and grace for wretched sinner. Sin is so serious to a holy God. And that's why God judged sin. At the same time, he provided the sin offering in his son. The wisdom of God is displayed on the cross. We see that God is holy, that God is a judge and he judged sin. But at the same time, he's a God of love. He's a gracious God. All was shown on the cross and his glory was displayed because he provided the sin offering for sinners. And so the cross displayed the glory of God. God does all things for his own glory, but then it's for our good. God is a judge and at the same time is a loving father. This is the wisdom of God. Jesus called a tax collector, worst of the worst. But then things went to another level. Listen to this. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who 
followed him. So Jesus not only called Levi, he went to his house for a dinner party. And worst of it all, there were all these people, his friends. Those are the only people that Levi can hang out with. Other tax collectors and sinners, prostitutes and all these people. But we see the grace of God abounding. The holy God, the holy one came to unclean sinners. This is the mystery of God and the beauty of the gospel. That God left his glory all in heaven. A holy God became incarnate in Christ and he lived among unholy people so that he will rescue us from our sin. And that's what Christ has done for us. When you know that you are a sinner, you repent of your sin and trust in him. Him only can save you. Christ died for us. On the third day, he rose from the dead. Trust in him, you will be saved. You will be rescued from your sin. Whilst Jesus was in the party, a revival was going on because many followed him. These people were transformed. What was the response of the religious elite at all this? They were shocked and they had major concerns for Jesus because this Pharisee group highly respected Jesus. And here they saw someone who is a teacher mingling with the worst of society. Listen to it, verse 16. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, they were concerned. These Pharisees, they were self-righteous leaders accusing the grace of God of wrongdoing. Another preacher put it this way, that it was a scandal of grace. How dare them accusing Christ of wrongdoing? But their thinking was twisted. They think that they are holy. But the problem is they are legalist. Their religion is external, not from a transformed heart. Listen to this. The Pharisees have 613 commandments. 248 are positive ones and 365 are negatives. For you to be a Pharisee, you are to be committed to do's and don'ts. And you'll never find this in the Old Testament. This was not the law of Moses. But these people came up with all these rules. And so, just to be clear, Old Testament people do not follow this. This was something that was man-made. And these guys are totally twisted. 
And to be a Pharisee is to be totally separated from others. You are holy. You are set apart. One of their don'ts is that you do not eat with someone who is not a Pharisee. But here Jesus has taken it to another level. He was eating with the worst of the worst. He was eating with tax collectors and sinners. So they were shocked. And they cannot comprehend how come Jesus was doing this. But the one who is holy cannot become unholy by being with unholy people. Everything comes from a transformed heart. Everything comes from our heart. True religion comes from the heart. It's not what you wear and what you do. Even when you do something for God, it's from a transformed heart and God sees your heart. And that's the point of true Christian faith. Verse 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus's response was spectacular. It was an indictment on them. The healthy don't go to see the doctor because they are fine, because they are well. But these guys were not healthy. They thought they were, but they were not. And so Jesus is saying to them that if you think you're fine, then that's fine. But are they fine? Not at all. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. Our righteousness, their righteousness is like filthy rags, as Isaiah tells us. You and I, our righteousness will never match the righteousness of God. The only way we can reach the righteousness of God is the righteousness that God provided in himself through his son. He became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you think that your righteousness can ever reach the righteousness of a holy God, then you've missed the point. If you can fulfill the Ten Commandments, then that means you're perfect. There is only one that is perfect and that is God and that is Christ who display what true humanity is. And these guys were stuck. That is what Jesus was saying. But then he says, but the sick I have come to call the righteous, but not sinners. And Jesus is saying that those who are sick and aware that they are sick are the ones that I've come for. And if you know that you are spiritually sick, you're spiritually bankrupt, it's the way you enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus, who is the physician of our soul, comes to us, he goes to the sick. And that was what he was doing. But they are stuck. To illustrate this further, in Luke 18, Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee and tax collector. They went to pray. The Pharisee, when he prayed, he condemned those that he looked down on. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not a tax collector and a sinner, but I pay my tithe. 
and I do all these good things. For the tax collector, when he prayed, he cannot even open his mouth because he's aware that he's a sinner and he beats his chest. Jesus went on to say that. Who went home justified? It was the tax collector. Who went home righteous? Who is the one that God was pleased with? Not the proud, but the humble. And so if you're a proud person and you think that your righteousness is the righteousness that God can accept, then you missed the point. It's only Christ that can rescue us. Romans 6, 17 to 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Those who have been saved by the grace of God live for righteousness. We were once slave to sin, but Christ rescued us. And so therefore, we become dead to sin and alive in Christ. This righteousness is not a righteousness of our own, but it's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And through that, you will be transformed. To finish up, Levi is also Matthew. Matthew 9, 9 tells us, Levi not only became a disciple, but an apostle and an inspired writer of one of the books in the Bible. He wrote the book of Matthew. That's how God can transform from a sinner to saints, from a tax collector to an apostle. And lastly, John Newton, who was a slave trader and a wicked man, was transformed. He became a Christian, but not only that, a minister. And he mentored William Wilberforce, who achieved the act of parliament of the abolition of slavery. So, John Newton became an abolitionist of slavery, from a slave trader to an abolitionist. That's how much God can transform us. The grace of God abounds. When we know that we are wretched sinner and that we cannot save ourselves and our righteousness can only be the righteousness of God in Christ when we repent and trust in him. Father, we thank you that you provided a sin offering in your son and Christ died for us on the third day rose again. I pray, God, that those that don't know you, that by your spirit you would draw them. Thank you that you help us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you have been blessed by what have shared. If you have any question, please email the Gospel Revealed Podcast at gmail.com. That is the Gospel Revealed Podcast at gmail.com. Can I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, but also share this podcast so that other people will hear the message of the gospel? Thanks for listening. Until the next time. Bye.